ஹலோ ஹலோ திஸ் இஸ் கதாவானி வெல்கம் பேக் டு ராமாயணா எபிசோட் டுவெல் பரஷுராமா தேங்க் யூ ஃபார் லிஸனிங் இன் த ப்ரீவியஸ் எபிசோட் த வெட்டிங் செலிப்ரேஷன்ஸ் ஆஃப் த சன்ஸ் ஆஃப் கிங் தசரதா டு பிதேஹா பிரின்சஸஸ் வேர் அண்டர்வே த டே ஆஃப்டர் த வெட்டிங் சேஜ் விஸ்வாமித்ரா டுக் லீவ் ஆஃப் த கிங்ஸ் தசரதான் ஜனகா அண்ட் த ரிஷிஸ் வசிஷ்டா வாமதேவா ஜாபாலி அண்ட் தி அதர்ஸ் Sage Vishwamitra blessed the four well-matched newlyweds and headed north to Himavat mountains or the Himalayan mountains to continue his spiritual life of meditation and service. To recap, Vishwamitra's role in Ramayana before we part, Sage Vishwamitra, a Brahma Rishi, arrived in Ayodhya at an opportune moment when King Dashrata was considering the marriage options for his sons. Dasharatha was initially reluctant to send his son Rama with the sage to battle against Rakshasas to protect the Rishi's yajna. Vishwamitra had persisted and with sage Vasishta's help had convinced the king to permit Rama to accompany him. Lakshmana, inseparable from Rama, accompanied the sage and Rama on this journey. Rama gained fame and glory during this journey with sage Vishwamitra. Sage Vishwamitra judged Rama to be worthy and bestowed all his knowledge that he'd accumulated through his life to Rama on the banks of River Sarayu. He taught the two brothers mantra invocations, Bala and Atibala, to survive without food, water and sleep, as well as other skills to destroy their foes. Rama, with the sage's blessings, inherited all the astras and divyastras, divine weapons, the sage had acquired by his penances and austerities. Rama, along with Lakshmana, destroyed the Rakshasas and protected Vishwamitra's yajna rituals at Siddhashram. They traveled together to Mithila, Guru and Sishyas, along holy rivers, listening to the Stala Puranas narrated by Vishwamitra, past towns and cities, across kingdoms, through holy ashrams, traveling on foot, living under the sky, meeting not only kings in the region but also spiritually powerful saints and rishis of ancient times. Finally, Vishwamitra brought Rama to Mithila, where Rama broke Shiva's divine bow that most kings who tried couldn't even budge or lift. Rama was appropriately rewarded with immediate and extensive recognition and King Janaka's <coughs> daughter Sita's garland. Rama pleased Vishwamitra by his dutiful and respectful attention, restraint, calm composure, courage and adherence to tradition, truth and sacred duties. Vishwamitra played an immense and vital role in Rama's life, promoting his reputation outside Ayodhya, as well as by arranging his wedding with Sita. It is fitting that we say farewell to Vishwamitra here in the story of Rama, just as the Balakanda, or canto or book of childhood is coming to its end as well. Soon after Vishwamitra's departure, Dasharatha expressed his pleasure and happiness to King Janaka, his gracious host, and sought Janaka's permission to return home to Ayodhya with his family, friends and advisors. King Janaka heartily agreed, feeling blessed by the turn of events. A successful yajna, well attended and with unexpected distinguished guests, followed by the marriage of his daughters and nieces to worthy companions and a stronger ally for Videha in the Koshala alliance. 
he sent the princesses to their new home with gifts of jewelry, gold, silk, pearls, coral, horses, elephants, and their own service staff and a small army of warriors. On the road, the extensive wedding party traveled slowly, recovering from the last few eventful days. The saints and the princesses were accompanied by the king and his sons and proceeded first, followed by the army and the others. One time, Dasharatha noticed the curious behavior of frightened birds flying away and turned to his guru and ministers for counsel. Vasishta advised that the unperturbed, unperturbed activities of the deers on the right side of the road foretold that whatever unfortunate celestial event lay in front of them signaled by the birds' flights would be resolved peacefully. Soon after, the sun darkened and in that dreadful unnatural darkness, Balmiki Maharshi describes an ash storm that worsened visibility even further. Through this dense fog, those in the front line of the procession could make out a person of giant stature walking towards them, an axe hanging on his shoulder and a massive bow in his hand. The sages determined this to be the terrifying Parashurama, who was believed to have killed all the Kshatriya kings in rage and grief when he discovered his father had been killed by Kshatriyas. They wondered why Parashurama, who had abandoned these regions and retired south to the Mahindra mountains after slaughtering the Kshatriya kings, was returning in this fearsome manner. The sages nevertheless welcomed the mighty Parashurama respectfully with offerings. Parashurama, the youngest son of Rishi Jamad Agni and Renuka, a Suryavanshi princess. Rishi Jamad Agni was the eldest son of Rishika Maharishi. We briefly met Rishi Rishika in the story of Vishwamitra in a few episodes ago. Sage Rishika was married to King Gadi's only daughter, Satyavati. Satyavati deeply loved her husband and wanted a son to follow in his footsteps. At the same time, her mother, Queen of Kushika, wife of King Gadi, expressed her wish for an heir, a powerful Kshatriya warrior, to succeed her husband. Satyavati requested her husband, Rishi Richika, to perform the ritual so that their wishes, hers as well as the Queen Mother, for sons would be fulfilled. Rishi Richika, a spiritually powerful Rishi, a descendant of Brigumuni, performed the necessary rituals and provided them separate portions to consume to beget children. Satyavati's mother incorrectly believed that Rishi Richika would have given his own wife the more powerful portion and wanting a powerful Kshatriya son, she tricked Satyavati and, Satya, and drank Satyavati's portion. Satyavati drank her mother's portion. Rishi Richika discovered the deception and informed his wife that because of the switch, their son born in the ashram would be a famous Kshatriya warrior and that her brother born to King Gadi would become a renowned Rishi, a spiritual master. Satyavati was disappointed since she desired a son who would be a seeker of spirituality and follow in his eminent father Rishika's footsteps. The Rishi hence agreed to postpone the effects of the portion on the personality of their offspring until the next generation so that the Kshatriya child would be their grandson and not Satyavati's son.
King Gadi and his wife welcomed a son in due time. This son, Kaushika, Satyavati's brother, was a stellar warrior and king who later became a spiritual speak seeker due to the potency of the potion Rishi Rachika gave Satyavati's mother. King Kaushika, as we heard in an earlier episode, became Vishwamitra, a Raja Rishi, who then renounced his kingdom and performed penances to become an enlightened spiritual master, a Brahma Rishi. Meanwhile, Rishi Rachika and Satyavati's eldest son, Jamadagni, followed diligently in his father's footsteps. He married Princess Renuka, satisfying the demands of her father, the king. The legend is that Rishi Jamadagni, also a Sapta Rishi, was so even-tempered that the gods took turns in attempts to enrage him and always failed. It is believed that the Vedas were revealed to worthy Rishis, the Sapta Rishis, who then taught it to their worthy disciples. Rishi Jamadagni was also well-versed in Dhanurveda, the knowledge of archery and warcraft that he learned from his father, Rishi Rachika. There is a story that Rishi Jamadagni shot arrows into the sky to cover the sun due to the unbearable heat and that the sun god Surya brought down two innovations to earth, an umbrella and footwear for the Rishi to use, so that the rest of the world still received sunlight and warmth. This happy couple, Rishi Jamadagni and Renuka, had five sons. The youngest, Badra Rama, grew up to be the, a strong child interested in warcraft, archery and throwing his axe. There is another story to show Badra Rama's inclination as a Kshatriya and how his father, Jamadagni Muni, confirmed which of his sons was the Kshatriya with the effects of Rishi Ruchika's potion. Renuka, the Rishi Jamadagni's wife, once was bringing water for the ritual the Rishi was performing. She got distracted by the handsome Gandharvas playing in the river and stopped to watch them. This delayed the saints' rituals. When Renuka arrived at the ashram with thoughts of the Gandharvas and careless about the Rishi's rituals, the Rishi, Jamadagni, asked his eldest son to behead his mother, Renuka, for allowing passions to enter her head. The eldest son refused and the Rishi turned him to stone. So did the second, third and fourth sons and all were turned to stones. When Jamadagni Rishi demanded his youngest, Badra Rama, to behead his mother, Renuka, the son immediately wielded his axe and decapitated his own mother. The Rishi Jamadagni wanted to test if Rama indeed was the Kshatriya Rishi Rachika had intended as his grandson. Rishi Jamadagni, having confirmed the Kshatriya tendencies of Badra Rama, was pleased by Rama's adherence to the duty of following his father, his father's command. He gave Badra Rama two wishes that he would make true by his spiritual powers. Badra Rama, also known as Parsharama, that is Rama with an axe, asked that his mother, Rehnuka, and his brothers be brought back to life. Rishi Jamadagni restored the lives of his wife and Renuka and their four sons. These stories convey that the powerful Rishis had control over birth and death and enlightened that they were the spiritual masters did not abuse these powers to live forever in the same body. They allowed nature or death to come in its time. Once an arrogant 
king, Kartavirya Arjuna, belonging to an illustrious dynasty, an excellent warrior, blessed by gods, considered himself to be invincible, took away the Jamadagni Rishi's divine cow from the ashram. The produce of this mulch cow was used to facilitate the yagnas. Padrarama, also known as Parashurama, retrieved the cow and killed the king and decimated the king's army. The king's sons, seeking vengeance, came to the ashram to kill Parashurama's father and cruelly attacked the Anamsi Jamadagni, Parashurama's father, who had renounced his weapons and warcraft for a spiritual life and killed him in cold blood. On returning to the ashram and discovering this horrendous deed and his bereft mother, Parashurama fiercely vowed to decimate the tribe of Kshatriya kings. The legend is that Parashurama slaughtered 21 generations of tyrannical kings. Parashurama is believed to be an avatar of Lord Vishnu who came to earth, born to a rishi and becoming a kshatriya, to end the regimes of tyrannical kshatriya kings who had become too powerful. Historically, it is believed that there was a battle between kshatriyas and brahmanas in that region of Madhya Pradesh. It is mentioned in historical records that the Brahmanas unarmed, holding up their kusa grass and unleashing their spiritual powers, realized they had to unite under a common leader to overpower the Kshatriya overlords. Apparently, Parashurama became this leader to stand up with the Brahmanas against the tyrannical Kshatriya tribes who were then routed. Parashurama, his anger and grief assuaged after the death of his father and his revenge, revenge gave up his crusade and retired to the Mahindra mountains in the south in present-day Odisha in India. This Parashurama now addressed Dasharatha's Rama directly, commending him on the tremendous feat of breaking the Shivadanush. Parashurama challenged Rama to a duel to prove his prowess if Rama succeeded in stringing the bow in his hand, a Vishnu bow. Parashurama then narrated the story of the two bows designed by Vishwakarma, the divine architect, one for Lord Shiva and one for Lord Vishnu, and how the Shivadanush had been given to King Janaka's ancestor Devaratha, and Lord Vishnu's bow had been given to his grandfather, sage Rachika, the author of Dhanurveda. Jamad Agni, Parashurama's father, inherited the Vishnu bow from Sage Rachika and from him it came to Parashurama. Parashurama narrated how his gentle father had renounced weapons and warfare, drawing strength from his ascetic powers. Parashurama continued that he had defeated and killed the arrogant king Kartaviri Arjuna in battle and how the king's sons avenged their father by killing the Anam Jamadagni Muni in his ashram. Parashurama justified his vow to destroy all unrighteous, tyrannical Kshatriya kings to avenge his father and save the world. He recounted how he then gave up all these lands he'd conquered by slaughtering the kings to sage Kashyapa, the ancient and wise saint, and travel south to live on the Mahindra mountains. Parashurama informed Rama that he'd been in deep penance on the Mahindra mountains, when he heard the massive sound that reverberated through the world when Rama broke the Shivadanush. Parashurama had hence hastened to Rama using his ascetic powers to travel quickly 
from Mahendra Mountains to challenge Rama to a duel. Dasharada intervened and pleaded with Parashurama to show mercy on Rama, without whom, he said, nobody would find the will to live. Parashurama, ignoring Dasharatha, urged Rama to take the Vishnu bow and place the arrow on it. Rama responded confidently without being intimidated by Parashurama, saying that Parashurama was justified in avenging his father, but neither should he, Dasharatha's Rama, be underestimated. He then seized the bow and arrow from Parashurama's hands and easily bent the bow, stretched the string and placed the arrow in position. Valmiki Rishi describes that the devas and gods congregated to see Rama wield the bow in front of Parashurama, who was also an avatara purusha, who had incarnated and destroyed tyrants. Dasharatha Rama then addressed Parashurama with his bow in hand. Rama, you are a Brahmin. You are related to Vishwamitra and worthy of worship. So I am unable to release this arrow to kill you. I will destroy your mobility or the worlds you've gained by your incomparable ascetic powers with this arrow. Tell me which of these you choose. This celestial arrow of Vishnu shall not go in vain. Parashurama's grandmother Satyavati is sage Vishwamitra's sister. Parashurama realized this person in standing in front of him was an avatara purusha an incarnation of Lord Vishnu, and felt paralyzed as his warrior energy left his body. Feeling humbled and bereft of his powers, he quietly answered Rama that when he gave Kashyapa all the lands he had conquered, Kashyapa had banished him from these lands. Parashurama continued, he vowed that he would not live on Kashyapa's earth during night time, and hence he needed his ability to travel with the speed of mind to keep his promise to Kashyapa Maharishi. Parashurama told Rama to aim the arrow without delay at the incomparable worlds he had acquired due to his tremendous asceticism. He declared that since Rama was able to wield the Vishnu bow, he recognized Rama as Vishnu, the imperishable one, and understood how Rama was able to wield the Shiva bow as well, that he had mastered in the ancient times during his contest with Lord Shiva. Parashurama did not feel humiliated at the defeat at the hands of Lord Vishnu and acknowledged all the devas and celestial beings gathered to witness the destruction of his spiritual powers in the hand of the Lord of Gods. Rama released the arrow and Parashurama saw the destruction of his immense powers. He worshipped Rama as the supreme deity Lord Vishnu and with Rama's permission left for Mahindra mountains. Rama gave his this divine bow, the Vishnu bow and the celestial arrow, capable of destroying cities to Varuna, the god of rain. Dasharatha was immensely pleased at the turn of events and feeling as if he and Rama were reborn, he gave orders to his army to proceed with speed in advance towards Ayodhya. After this, the wedding party travelled swiftly and reached Ayodhya without any further interruptions. The citizens of Koshala along the way to Ayodhya were genuinely happy to see the well-matched couples 
complementing each other in youth, beauty, appearance and outstanding background. Ayodhya was well decorated and the citizens celebrated the return of the king, the prince and the arrival of the new princesses with flowers, lamps, incense, music and dance. The queens joyously greeted and blessed the new couples, following tradition to welcome the Bideha princesses, their daughters-in-law and daughters of King Janaka and King Kusadwaja to their new home. The citizens of Ayodhya enthusiastically welcomed the new brides home to Ayodhya. The princesses delighted the citizenry, performing all the rituals and prayed to the family deities at the temples and donated offerings of cattle, grains, corn and coin to the brahmanas and others who had gathered to celebrate. The newlywed couples then entered their respective residences performing the traditional rites and rituals. All four couples lived harmoniously in their palaces, performing their duties to their elders, gods and country. Rama was beloved by his father, the queens and the residents of Ayodhya due to his good conduct and his exemplary qualities. The four brothers continued their military training, took up responsibilities in the administration of the kingdom, served the citizens and followed the commands of their father, the king. The princes visited their mothers to offer respect, checking in on their comforts and needs. After a while, the good prince Bharata, along with Chatrugna, went to visit his grandfather in Kekaya as requested by Bharata's uncle, Prince Yudajit, at the wedding. Rama was quite attached and devoted to Sita, pleased by her numerous virtues and her affection for him. Sita is known by many names, Janaki, daughter of Janaka, Maithili, princess of Mithila, Vaidehi, princess of Videha. Adored by Rama and Ayodhya, Sita's happiness and beauty grew. Every version of Rama, Ramayana eloquently describes in words how this loving couple spoke without words, communicating through their hearts all the thoughts that rose in their minds. In Valmiki Maharishi's words, Rama, son of Dasharatha, united with Sita, princess of Mithila, and appeared like Vishnu, the lord of gods, in the company of Lakshmi, the goddess of wealth. Thus ends the first canto, Book of Childhood, Palakanda of Valmiki Ramayana. In the next episode, we start Ayodhya Kanda. In every kanda or canto, the characters that enrich it only appear in that canto. So we will see more new characters next time. Ram Ram.